Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the morning toast. Happy Thursday. Another beautiful day in the queue. Hey, Claude, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm starting to feel triggered by how you're doing, but I'm not one ever to tell you what to do or say because you are a woman and I empower you to speak your feelings. Some people in the comments don't necessarily agree, but it's okay. Just there's two types of people in this world, people who are triggered by it and people whose day like apparently can't start without it. Apparently they're saying it to their friends. Like I've been getting so much feedback on how you do it. Oh, really? It's been overwhelmingly. When I posted that screenshot of the person writing to me, like, please never stop saying it. I just posted the screenshot. I looked at it yesterday. I looked at the reactions that people had sent me from it. I, it had over 200 claps. I've never gotten that many reactions. I have only seen the negative. So it's easy for me to, you know, dive into that. But if you're saying people are loving it, I believe you. And I have no choice but to respect that. You know that if people like were hating it and I knew that, like I would stop saying it because I just like care what people think about me. Um, and I just would not do something to intentionally bother people and turn them off to the show. But apparently like it's become just a staple for some people. And then we have no choice but to implement it. We have no choice but to implement I would just like to say I'm wearing some merch from my tour. It says Dirty Jeans Tour, available at shopmorningtoast.com, along with a host of other items, some of which are on sale. So make sure to take advantage, shopmorningtoast.com. You know what? I actually don't have any DJT merch like that. I need to place an order. You need to place an order. I, um, before quarantine, like remember when I was talking about um, the game night? Like when we didn't know quarantine was legit, I'm like, should I have a game night? And then I did. It was like literally the beginning of March. Yeah. Everyone came over and was drinking and they were talking about toast merch. Like, I don't have any. So like I gave away all my merch, like literally everything. My shelves were cleared. So I recently did a major haul from our website and it's just, I don't know what I would do without toast merch in the queue. I know. Everyone's been getting their spring merch, which is so exciting. There was a little hiccup with some orders, some tie-dye shirts. Um, they were quote damaged by the mill. Uh, tie-dye is, uh, yeah, they just like weren't worth sending out to you guys. So people got refunds for those orders. We're so sorry that that happened. These are hard times. Otherwise we'd be able to make new shirts, but inventory is low. So instead of being getting a replacement, you got a refund. Um, We're doing the best that we can in the queue, but we apologize for that snafu. And we couldn't help the big old stain. What do you want to share it with the stain? Yeah, it's just, it was a stainy vibe and it wasn't up to par. And so we, we weren't going to send it out, but we do have some exciting merch things happening. We were just on a call yesterday. I'm so fucking pumped for what's coming next. And I think everyone's going to be really into it. So that's an I'll exciting give, update. I'll give you a clue for the new merch category is Eleganza Extravaganza. It's elegant as fuck. Is that from Friends or something? Yes, that's from Friends. No, it's from RuPaul's Drag Race. Category uh, is, is that eleganza. Like eleganza extravaganza is like when you get dressed out up like the ultimate glamour, high fashion, makeup, glam. That's eleganza extravaganza. Nice. Okay. Very cool. Um, I'm very much here for you quoting RuPaul's Drag Race instead of Friends. Like, yeah. No, I feel like my cool factor and like just so many things about me have changed and gone up so much since I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Like everything is just sickening and I'm gagging the house down. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Over the weekend, I watched Celebrity Drag Race, which is um, 
like a like a spinoff where each episode they have three celebrities compete for celebrity drag race it's all for charity it's like not really serious they have some of the queens from seasons past come and mentor the celebrities so i watched the most interesting episode which was um phoebe robinson from two dope queens we love a podcaster Haley kyoko and madison beer it was so fascinating. Haley Kyoko ended up winning, which I was so happy for her because she really deserved it. Then the next episode I watched was Vanessa Williams. Oh my God. Wilhelmina. Apparently her and Rue are friends, so she won. Um, she would have won anyways. Like she, she really leaned into it. Like She got in the glam and they did this whole performance. It was a Dolly Parton theme and she looked, she was singing nine to five. Like She really dove headfirst and you get to pick your drag name. And her name was Vanquisha the House. Like she was just, she obviously watches Drag Race and she was like so in it and so happy to be there. It was fabulous to see her like in that element. Wow, that's so exciting. When you were saying Vanessa, first I was thinking from Gossip Girl, and then I was thinking from Blue Bloods. So it just took me a while to realize, like, what you were saying. No, Vanessa Williams, Wilhelmina, Queen of the World. She was at your wedding. No, Queen of the World. She's literally the queen of my world in the queue. Like, if I ever need premium content to watch, I'll just go to her IMDb and pick something. Yeah, no, if I ever need premium content, I will scroll through my phone and find the picture you and I took with her at your wedding, where I literally look so ugly, but I don't care. No, I know. Like, it's not a cute picture, but it's everything of the sort. Where does she live? Um, in the New York area. Oh, because, you know, me, she wouldn't fit in, but if she lived in Beverly Hills, she would actually be a fabulous addition to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But I, I think she's too good for the women of New York. She cannot. These women are a step down. I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I watched Beverly Hills this morning. My fucking DVR didn't record it, and I felt like I was on a deserted island. I could not find it anywhere. Usually they play it right after Watch What Happens Live again. No, yeah. can't get away. Like, I was so annoyed. And they don't put it on, um, like, Apple TV or iTunes till the next morning. It was so much drama. But I, I ended up waking up early and watching it today. But I know you didn't watch it because you were doing the redhead. So we will recap it tomorrow. Okay, a few things. One, um, yes, I was working on the Redheads. We finished recording at around 6.30 and I was legit working on it, like having my dinner at my computer until midnight because that audio, just like getting it premium makes the book club experience just so much more experiential. And it was such a good episode because the book was a level up. We leveled up. And Dana was there to explain it all. And you know what? I feel like I um, got a little bit beneath the surface, like for me. And I feel like my mind is expanding as well. So I think this book club is just great for everyone. But there's something for everyone. There's Dana, who thought this was the best book we ever chose. And there's Snitch, who came close to rating it a zero. So if you were on any of those levels, like you will feel represented. And it's just fabulous. But I didn't have time to watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because I was staring at my computer all day. I was working all day yesterday. It was crazy. And then I just couldn't turn on my TV and get that blue light and I needed to go to sleep. I was exhausted. I understand. Um, it was a really good episode. It was essentially for me, like it was the episode of Erica Jane. Like there was just so much happening around her about her since the event happened at her house. Like we never really get to see her in her home element that much. So I think you'll really enjoy the episode. There was a ton of drama. We got to know Garcelle a little bit more. I really can't wait to recap it. Um, but we'll do that tomorrow with New York. And, and I just want to say, oh, what were you going to say? No, in today's re- TV recap segment, I'm going to be recapping Ben Platt's Netflix special because I have thoughts. Okay, then I'm putting you on mute because I did not have time to watch that. I didn't have time to watch so many things that I love, but like, you know, the passion project had to come first. Um, I and I want to say um, in a very sad, uh, just thing you should know for the day, um, in an alternate world, we would have been um, embarking on Camp Toast today. Oh, So yeah. that's just like something to make you upset. No, we would have been, it's okay. So it's 1115. We would have been finishing the toast in like 15 minutes, packing the car and driving. Yeah. Camp toast would start tomorrow, but we would be on our way up there today. Like starting the vlog last year, we hit up CPK on our way. Like we would just be like in the car with Theo sitting in traffic, um, like on our way. And that's just something that's going to haunt me all day. One of my favorite memories of Camp Toast's past was the day we got to spend at camp, like totally alone before, like running around camp, like we were like running the place. I'm like so upset. No, it's devastating. There's absolutely nowhere else I would rather be right now. Like if I could transport myself right now to any situation um, outside the queue, it would be Camp Toast. Like that is the vibe that I am craving. Like it wouldn't be a concert. It wouldn't be stagecoach. Like it would be the steamy vibes of Camp Toast. Like surrounded by the love of the toasters in a very beautiful, bucolic setting. 
Do you think that the rescheduled dates for Coachella and Stagecoach are going to stay as is? I don't. I'm going to be optimistic. That has been my um, mentality throughout the queue. I'm going to remain optimistic. Every time they give us a date, I'm optimistic that that's the real date. And that's the only way I can cope is by really believing um, what what they say is true. Okay. That's a good way to think. Yeah. Um, I had one more thing to say about Camp Toast, but oh, no, about the word bucolic. Now that I just use that in my everyday jargon, what if we did a word of the day and then we just like we're getting smarter and then we saw if we could use it in, in the episode? What do you think about that? I mean, oh, in the episode, that's actually a good idea. So we you would know, say it at the top of the episode? Like we would say at the top of the episode, the word of the day, and then we would try and have to find a way to incorporate it into the episode and like all of our vocabularies would be expanding. I love that idea. That's so smart. And I'm just going to go to Merriam-Webster's word of the day. It's cow catcher. An inclined frame on the front of a railroad locomotive for throwing obstacles off track. Okay. So maybe like... It's a deterrent. Like... Yeah. Something that's, you know, just throws things through a loop. Yeah. So like if I was recapping Beverly Hills, I could say like the astrologist was a real cow catcher to the group. Okay. Cool. So let's try and use it. Okay, we'll try and use it in a story. So let's get into it without further ado. It is time for the past five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And that's true, Jackie. But if I may, can I sing a song? Please. We've got that attitude. attitude. We've got that attitude. Today's episode is brought to you by Attitude Sheets. We know that sleep plays an important role in our physical, mental, and emotional health, and research shows that adequate sleep helps our bodies fight off infection. At a time when our well-being is more important than ever, there's a company we want to tell you about that's working to help you to commit to a healthy approach to sleep. It's called Attitude. While there are many factors that contribute to to a sound sleep, optimizing your environment is one way to help. Etitude's clean bamboo bedding and sleep essentials are 100% organic and designed to bring comfort to you and the earth. They're super soft, breathable material, clean bamboo. It's extremely breathable and it wicks away moisture and regulates temperature to include your quality of sleep. I am someone who is constantly being disturbed in my sleep by a sweaty neck, sweaty legs, and I never even thought that my sheets could be contributing to that. But once I got my attitude sheets and the clean bamboo material totally regulated my temperature, brought me down to, like, I sleep in a frozen tundra and I still manage to sweat. So I didn't realize there were other things I could be doing to change, like my sheets. So if you're a sweaty sleeper. I think this will be something you'd be interested in. Um, Their antimicrobial clean bamboo charcoal fabric is infused with eco-friendly and natural antimicrobial bamboo charcoal, so they are proven to kill 99.9% of microorganisms. Attitude sheets are great for sensitive skin. Customers have claimed that their skin's appearance has has improved after switching to attitude sheets. You can read the reviews and see for yourself. They're super sustainably made. Their manufacturing progress is, process is designed to save energy and water while eliminating the use of toxic chemicals. Attitude makes every conceivable effort to use recycled materials, keep pack- packaging minimal, and reduce their carbon footprint at every step of the process. Why not try Attitude? They're soft as silk, breathable as linen, but at the price of cotton. You're going to love them. And right now, our listeners will get 20% off their sheet set and free shipping if you text TOAST to 64000. So the only way to get 20% off your set at, of Attitude sheets with free shipping is to text TOAST, T-O-A-S-T, to 64000. Text TOAST to 64000. Thank you, Attitude, for sponsoring today's episode. Let's dive right in. Sign on. You'll get that attitude. You'll get that attitude. I love that song. Okay, first story, The I would say the biggest story of the day, but then something just came across my desk that actually technically is bigger. But this is the one that we're so excited to talk about. Our ship is coming in. Megan Fox feels romance rumors in Machine Gun Kelly's steamy, bloody Valentine music video. Just days after Megan Fox was seen out with rap rock artist Machine Gun Kelly, and she and her husband of a decade actor Brian Austin Green confirmed their split, the actress is fueling rumors of her MJK romance by appearing in his steamy new music video for Bloody Valentine. Okay, if you haven't seen this music video, you absolutely have to. And it's an amazing video. It's an amazing song. It's an amazing testament of their love and our ship that is coming in. Everything about it is amazing. The song is so good. Like, this is really the genre of music I used to be into when I was, like, in middle school. I was kind of, like, an emo kid, and I would just, like, love, like, rock. And my love of Five Seconds of Summer, like, I really am actually low-key into that genre. And it's, like, pop rock, and it's such a good song. She looked sickening the house down in the music video. Like, she looked 
beautiful. They didn't leave. They were social distancing, I think. Like, I think they literally had one cameraman and they edited it afterwards because they were in his house. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was like, but they weren't distancing from each other. They were quite close. No, but I think the video was filmed in quarantine. Got it. Well, it just goes to show you, like, you think you know celebrities. You think this picture of Megyn Kelly and MGK was like, oh, my God, they were Megyn caught. Megyn Kelly? In the- <laughs> you said Megyn <laughs> Kelly. For sure. That's their couple name. Oh, totally. Megyn Megan- Megyn Kelly. That's hilarious. You oh think God, this so that picture of Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly um, was like, oh my God, they're caught. They just started this new relationship. Like this video was obviously filmed not yesterday. And so they've been together for a while. They probably were like to bag. That's Brian Austin Green. I just keep wanting to call him bag every time I read I his name. That. They were probably like to bag, listen, we're going to come out with this video. Like you can get embarrassed or you can release a statement. It's up to you. So he put out that shit about a butterfly. People were like, what does that mean? So he had to write a plain literal statement saying that they're separated. A lot of people feel like this relationship is like some sort of PR stunt because like how convenient is it that they were photographed and now there's a music video. And I definitely see how someone could perceive it that way. I choose to believe in their love. And if I did find out that this whole thing was fake, like, I would be devastated. I thought about them all day yesterday. Like I watched a video 400 times. I'm obsessed with them. And you know what? I kept doing more research on them. Like, you know, I never would have pictured them together, but the second someone mentioned their names in a sentence, like I was on board the ship ready to set sail. Um, But now the more that I know about them, like the more it makes sense. Like, did you know that Machine Gun Kelly has a daughter? No, I did not know that. So they're both parents. Like you think like she's kind of a cougar, but they're really at similar stages in their lives. Like they're not that far off from each other. Yeah, no, when th- when this came across my desk, I thought it made so much sense. Watching this video, I'm like, wow, this is just like watching Twilight. I'm watching true love on my screen, and I'm completely here for it. If this came out to be a farce, I would say um, they just broke up and they got embarrassed, but they were in love at the time. There, there's, like, I just... I've seen so many fake couples. Like, in my time as a pop culture connoisseur, I feel like I have a very good gauge for that thing and I don't think that the wool is being pulled over my eyes like I believe in their love does that sound so naive I mean it it will only sound naive depending on what happens you know if they turn out to be the greatest love story of our time like you were just a believer and if if they break up people will say it was fake so I think just do what feels right for you I believe in their love too there's no reason for them to have gotten together like why would he choose to have a PR stunt with a married woman you know, this is, involves a family, like, because she had to come out with a divorce at the same time as she was going to announce this relationship, like, I just think that that's too far gone to be a stunt. That's true. There's a lot of discussions being had about whether or not this was, like, an affair, and, like, how could we ship them if they were having an affair, but it's my understanding that her and Brian Austin Green, like, haven't been together for a while. They were always on and off, on and off, messy, 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 um, So I don't feel like an affair is really what happened here. Maybe that's also me being naive, but I could just, they're kind of private. Like they obviously announce when they're going through stuff, but we don't know their Instagram stories every day if they've been living in the same house for the last few months. Like I actually think they probably haven't been together for a little while and weren't going to announce it yet, but she got in a new relationship and that kind of was the catalyst for the announcement. I completely agree with you. It's been messy, messy, messy. Like I know people want to say it's an affair. How could we ship? Um, it's just not my business. So I'm just going to take the parts that were given to me. They got divorced and the next day there was a music video. To me, that's not an affair. No. And do you think that, um, and because we're in quarantine, like there's so much that we don't know because it's been like almost three months of like things going on that we're not aware of. But do you mm-hmm. think that if it was an affair, Brian Austin Green would have taken the opportunity to say that on his podcast or he's not about to disparage like the mother of his children? Not about to disparage the mother of his children. And maybe, I'm sure he's got some shit that he did wrong too. So you don't start like throwing, sh- firing shots like that, especially with the mother of your children. Yeah, I don't think it was an affair, but I understand that people do. I choose to believe in their love and ship this so hard, harder than I've ever shipped anything before. I choose to believe that Brian Austin Kelly released a statement saying they were getting divorced and then- (laughs) Brian Austin (laughs) Kelly? Brian Austin Green. Now you're thinking Brian Kelly, the points guy. Like you need to get your names right. These people have too many names. Between three people, between three people, we have eight names. It's hard. I agree. I just believe that Brian Austin Green released his statement and then like 10 minutes later, they started shooting this music video. 
No, I honestly, I went on Megan Fox's Instagram and the last time she posted with her husband, not that she's so active, but the last time she posted was for charity in November, 2019. They were like auctioning off something for one of those things. Um, so I actually don't think they've been together for a while. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I, I choose to ship, but to each their own. Um, not to totally change gears, but I've been getting a lot of DMs. People want asking me if Cassie and Colton are still together. And it reminded me that I haven't seen them like be social, be active on social media in a really long time. And then someone was like, they unfollowed each other. And I checked and they did not unfollow each other. Like that's how rumors get started, but they haven't really been that active with one another in a while. I, I think they might've separated in quarantine. Like I think he might've went home or something. Interesting. Which would make sense. I mean, couples yeah. who are just dating and quarantined now together for 70 days. I was actually thinking about this last night with Olivia Culpo and Christian McCaffrey. She and her sister have been quarantined with his entire family this whole time. And I just can't believe it's going so well. Like, this bodes so well. I think they'll be married in a year. Like, they're married now. She's yeah, like, well, they were quarantined in LA with her, her sister and Christian. And then they went to the parents. For house. like two days. They did the first but, weekend and then they, so they've, they've been really there the whole time. For a while. They've been together the entire time. Like they are true love. I know. It's like a long time to spend with someone's prospective in-laws. I know. With your sister there too. Like no privacy. It's really interesting. Yeah. Honestly, I hope that like the sister is getting some with like one of Christian McCaffrey's hot ass brothers. So there were some rumors um, and Snitch and I had our own thoughts. I definitely think there's some flirtation, but I don't know if it's like if they've kissed yet. Yeah, because they're like in the parents' house. I think they have to be respectful. Yeah, but you know, quarantine can do crazy things to a person. Crazy things to a girl. Okay, next story, the other big story of the day, Lori Loughlin and Massimo Giannulli agree to plead guilty in the college admissions case. Lori Loughlin and Massimo Giannulli have agreed to plead plead guilty to conspiracy charges connected to the college admissions case, according to an announcement from the Department of Justice Thursday morning. Under the terms of the agreement, which is still pending a judge's approval, Lori will serve two months in prison and Massimo will serve five months, the DOJ said in an announcement. Lori will admit to one count of conspiracy to commit wire and mail fraud, and Giannulli will plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire and mail fraud and honest services wire and mail fraud. Do you think that there's any possibility they only took this deal in the hopes like strategically that because of coronavirus, they might not have to serve the time. Like they could do it from home or something. I think that coronavirus played a major factor in them taking this deal. I think that this deal might've not been offered to them outside of a pandemic. Um, I think a lot of different factors went into this, but we are at this place now due to the circumstances of a global pandemic. And I think ultimately it's worked out in their favor because people were talking about like up to 40 years for them if they were found guilty when they pled innocent. So I think this is like a win for everyone. The Justice Department like gets that guilty verdict, you know, Mm -hmm. they two months and five months, especially if those sentences are um, made shorter due to either, you know, prison capacities or coronavirus. I think this might be best case scenario for everyone. Yeah, I mean, the prison that um, Felicity Huffman was in, the facility that she was in was like a camp. Um, and she did 14 days. Um, and she she got, I think she actually ended up doing like eight days. Um, and I'm curious if this is going to be the same facility that Lori Laughlin goes to. I don't think that it is because Lori's trials were being held in Boston. So I they're think all have to go to- They're all held in Boston because the case is in Boston. But Felicity Huffman's prison was i think in california um yeah i don't know what the rules are like do you go to prison based on where you live or based on where the crime was committed i feel like it would be based on where you live yeah i don't know come see you i don't know but i do think they would probably go to the same prison um but that all of the cases for this operation varsity blues are out of boston Interesting. Well, I, I'm hoping that this is going to be put behind Lori Laughlin's. She hasn't slept in a minute. Like, hopefully uh, this brings some relief to everyone involved on all sides and everyone is just, you know, able to do better. Yeah, I think that this would be a, a good way to just end this story. Um, we'll hear more when 
the judge approves this sentencing or not. Um, Just a very interesting development in this case that has really swept the nation. I know. Like, when it first came out, I cared so much. Like, now Mm -hmm. I just don't care. Yeah, I would agree. So much has happened since then. Right. It's like the world – my priorities have shifted. Yeah. Like, colleges aren't even in session. session. (laughs) Right. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, next story. A little update because we reported a while back that Skeet Ulrich, who plays F.P. Jones on Riverdale, was leaving Riverdale. And now he is explaining why. And it's just because he got bored. In February, the shocking news came out that Skeet Ulrich was leaving CW Riverdale, where he plays F.P. Jones. Usually actors give politely vague reasons for TV departures, but Ulrich's gloves came off in an Instagram video he posted Wednesday night. He said, I'm leaving Riverdale because I got bored creatively. How's that? That's the most honest answer. Honestly, I think that is so fair. Also, F.P. Jones was really, I mean, they all sort of like are these tropes and caricatures of themselves, but like... I think it's time. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate. You always wonder, like, was there bad blood? Did he get fired? Like, you never really get any sort of clarification. And if you do, it's, like, years down the line and you just don't care anymore. So I'm appreciating the in-real-time update of, like, the show is definitely not what it used to be. I don't think it's challenging anymore for uh, a veteran actor like Skeet. And I appreciate this kind of transparency, and I totally get and respect, um, like, not wanting to do it anymore and, like, not being sequestered to Vancouver when your life might be in wherever he lives, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, so they just finished um, the fourth season, and I'm reading that the season five will be pushed forward a few years into the future, which makes sense because, like, they should be going to college now or whatever, and no one needs to see that. That's always, like, a painful spot for high school television shows. Right. Um, So this is actually a perfect time for people to leave the show because in the few years that we miss, like, maybe they went off to their own thing. Maybe the characters passed away. A lot of different things can happen. Yeah, this is like the classic turning point in a lot of teen dramas. It's like the actors are too old to be playing kids like just going to college. Second of all, it gets so complicated when everyone has to like split up and go to different colleges. Like they did this in um, Pretty Little Liars. Like it's always like that weird, like high school dramas to me are the perfect template for television, except when it comes to graduation. It's like, what do you do? So a lot of people go for the let's skip five years. And I kind of like it. They did one of those skip five years in Desperate Housewives. And when I remember watching it in real time, I was like, this sucks. And then when I rewatched it, I'm like, this was brilliant. Yeah. Like a lot of shows do different things. I remember the OC, like they actually did follow them into college, but then also they brought up a new crop and you always hope that, you know, the junior cast will become the new main cast. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of television. It's not happening on Vanderpump Rules. No, it's not. Gossip Girl did a pretty good job because they kept the characters in New York City for college. Um, But then we had to watch Blair go to NYU, which was just like so painful. Oh, um, I read a bunch of Twitter conspiracy theories absolutely rooted in no facts, but I thought it was an interesting take that a lot of people felt like the Vanderpump Rules finale was a series finale. And I don't, like, I don't see any proof of that, but like the way that they ended it and kind of broke the fourth wall with Lisa talking about the TV show to Jax and like reprimanding him, people felt like it might be some sort of series finale. I don't think that at all. I didn't get that vibe. And if that is a series finale, it was a good season finale for that season because the season was not good. But if that is a series finale, that does not do justice to the entire like seasons of shows that we watch. Like, lest we not forget, this used to be an amazing show. I know, but the prospect of Vanderpump Rules being over like did kind of bring me joy. Like, I'm just so over it. Yeah. That's an interesting prospect that it would just be over. But I think there's more to be milked from it. I do. I don't think it's a completely lost cause. But sometimes you just want to quit while you're ahead. But shows never do that. Some people were thinking that, like, it was similar to On the Hills when, like, they walked at the end and it was a movie set. Like, they thought it was, like, a similar trajectory of, like, Lisa finally breaking the fourth wall, addressing the fact that there was actually a TV show happening, and then, like, all the couples going off. Like, I don't know. It wasn't big enough. And I, I didn't think it when it was happening. The series finale is like Sheena 2.0 and Danica getting in like the weirdest fight of all time. I just, I'm sorry, I know not it's the gonna be better. The best fight of all time. That was the best moment of like the last four seasons. Well, just because we've been so deprived. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, ready for our next story? It's a little sad. Oh no, what? 
Nick Cordero's wife breaks down in tears as she reveals his condition is, quote, going downhill. Nick Cordero's condition has taken a turn for the worse, according to his wife, Amanda Klutz. Though the Broadway star expected, experienced a small win in his recovery from coronavirus-related complications earlier this week, his health began to go downhill on Wednesday morning. She shared in a tearful update on her Instagram story. Quote, Nick has had a bad morning. Unfortunately, things are going downhill at the moment, so I'm asking again for all the prayers, mega prayers right now, she revealed, explaining to followers that she won't be able to appear on her daily Instagram Live video. Please cheer and please pray for Nick today, and I know that this virus is not going to get him down. It's not how the story ends, so just keep us in your thoughts and prayers today. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm literally going to cry. I thought we were out of the woods. I know. He did have a win. Um but I guess it just, they weren't completely out of the woods and now it's taken a turn for the worst. Um, and I just feel so sad for them. I know. And her newborn and she's just been so positive. Like I can't even imagine being in that situation and then like radiating hope and positivity for the entirety that she's been going through it. And I feel so sad for her. Oh my God. I thought this was over. Like I thought we were good. I thought he was like getting out of the hospital soon. Yeah. This virus fucking sucks. Like literally sucks sucks oh my god i'm so sad well i will be praying for her husband i like oh my god this is terrible i have nothing else to say besides like i'm just devastated i, I had no idea i thought this was totally over oh yeah no i saw um i think yesterday like some stories that it had started to take a turn to go downhill and it just made me so sad and just wanted to update everyone because we had updated everyone on the good news and so mm-hmm. this is now the latest update but i'll just switch gears again to a good story okay because the Masked Singer season three winner will put their trophy right next to the Grammy. Okay, spoiler alert. I'm issuing a spoiler alert because I do not watch the Masked Singer, but the way that publications and people go out of their way to not spoil this show, I think is so impressive. I never even know who's on it. I didn't know who won it because I didn't click this article until you told me who won it. And of course, this is news that is pertinent to the situation, but I'm just so impressed by the way no one will spoil this show and I'm not going to be the one to do it for you. So spoiler alert, I'm about to tell you who won. The Fox singing competition had a franchise first with Wednesday's champion, who talks with The Hollywood Reporter about stage fright, quarantine, entertainment, and why the series is less stressful than her other reality job. The Masked Singer crowned its third, competi- third champion on Wednesday with its first woman to win the competition. Robin Thicke and Nicole Scherzinger correctly guessed the identity of Night Angel, Real Housewives of Atlanta star Candy Burris. So fabulous. I love a moment for reality TV. Like it's a win. It's a check in our column. Um, there, I didn't even realize the season was still airing because literally months ago, I saw people guessing that it was Candy Burris. I'm like, oh, it probably is. She's a Grammy award winning songwriter. She sings all the time. She has tons of music. I thought it was for sure her. And I thought the season was over like months ago. I heard that Candy Burris might be one of the contestants so long ago. I can't believe the show is still on. Yeah. Crazy. And the runner up was Jesse McCartney. Oh, they this get is a, good people. It's an interesting show. I don't watch it, but I'm always interested in the news that comes out about it. And also all of the speculation. Like, I know a lot of people thought this season that Liz Gillies was on it. They thought mm-hmm. Jordan Woods was on it. Was she on it? Oh, uh, there were some people last season who thought I was on it. I got like yeah. a bunch of messages about if I was the flamingo. Did it wind up that Jordan Woods was on it? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, Cody Simpson won um, the the Australian version. Australia. Yeah, I remember that because Lindsay Lohan was judging and she like asked for her couch back or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the concept of the show is so silly. And I remember initially um, like writing it off completely, but people really fell in love with it. So I started to watch it. The episodes are so drawn out. It is an hour where four people sing for four minutes. Like it is so much fodder. So many commercials, so many dumb segments. Like, And the costumes like... It's so silly. And it's like the concept is fun, like trying to guess someone. And like you think it's so easy, but there could be such a familiar voice and you really don't know who it is. So I like I like the concept is good, but I could not get into it. Like it was literal trash for 45 minutes, five minutes of content and then 10 minutes of commercials. Like it was just too much. Got it. Well, I like it in finding out this way. And I love this for Candy Burris. She's just another notch on her belt. She's just still like the most accomplished housewife of all time and this is just one more win yeah and you know what i feel like this is really going to create um 
like a bigger divide within the women because a lot of the the especially as it pertains to Nene Leakes, I think for a while she thought she would never have to come back to Atlanta Housewives. Like she was in Ryan Murphy shows, she was in Glee, she had a pilot, the new normal, like um and she even moved to LA for a period and like kind of was so nasty to the women because she thought she was better than them. And in that moment she was. But Candy has really always been like one of the most successful women in the Atlanta franchise and she doesn't hold it over the other women's heads. Like she's really very like grounded in her success and I think this is going to throw a wrench in it like some mainstream success is Nini's not going to be happy about this yeah well I, I love to see it me too I'm like over Nini she was really bothering me but um I have a soft spot in my heart for her so I'll allow it me too me too okay those are five stories and and you definitely oh. need to know them I'm so sorry I didn't know we were on the fifth and final story because I had something to say before do you mind if I have a moment sure take your time because today's episode is brought to you by Grubhub. Download the Grubhub app, order, and get started. You can explore restaurants that deliver near you. It's so easy to find food you crave and order through the Grubhub app. You could search by cuisine, restaurant name, or menu item. The app will help you filter your results accordingly. They help you enjoy your favorite restaurants with new perks and exclusive rewards. You can get a $10 perk every time you order. It's available all day, every day at select restaurants. You can stay safe while also supporting the restaurants that you love slash local restaurants with curbside pickup and contact-free delivery on Grubhub. Um, your day just got better, so make sure you use those $10 perks on every order, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And just for our listeners, if you download the Grubhub app, you'll get $10 off your order of $30 or more every day from participating restaurants. That t- that's $10 off your order of $30 or more every day from participating restaurants. So download the Grubhub app today and get $10 off your order of $30 or more. Love it. Wow, that ad just made me so hungry. I think I might order some Grubhub for lunch because I'm starving. What did you eat for dinner last night? Oh, I had noodles and cottage cheese. Oh, yum. I had that like the other week. It's so Cottage cheese is hard to keep in the house because it literally expires in like four days. But once you have it at the prime of its life, it's so good. It was so good. I needed a big dinner, like a big bowl of pasta to edit my video. I literally hadn't had a chance to eat since my breakfast. And so I just needed a big portion of carbs. Yeah, no, the redheads for you was a big cow catcher in your day. Um, no, I, I mean, I had planned for it. So I, I don't know that the it was a cow catcher. It was a cow catcher. Like you just weren't expecting it to take so long. No, like I knew it was going to take a long time. No, you didn't know. And it was a cow catcher. And I used the word correctly. And I went to I think. I think the editing for me was a cow catcher in your day. You didn't realize how long it was going to take for me. No. Um, I, don't, I just don't really concern myself with things that don't concern me. So like really? I, it's a TNN podcast. So That's true, actually. That's true. But I'm not involved in the editing. I'm just more of a managerial partner here, you know? Yeah, <laughs> sure. So it was a cow catcher for sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was a cow catcher. It was a fucking cow catcher. Can you give it to me? <laughs> I mean – Sure. On the opposite day, it was a cow catcher. Oh, you. You did not just opposite, opposite, Davey. How fucking old are you? I mean, I'm just factual. For sure. So am I, and that's why it was a cow catcher. Okay. Well, definitely check out the Redheads to find out whether or not it was a cow catcher in my day. That's a great promo. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about Ben Pot special really quickly if you'd like to mute or I could speak in general terms. Um, I'm going to mute because I want to watch this with open eyes, open ears and open heart with no preconceived notions. We talked about on the Redheads last night that like the worst thing is like when people hype up something and like your expectations for something become so good that you can't even enjoy it because you're just like waiting for that thing that you expected. And I just want tabula rasa, clean slate. Wait, okay. I just muted myself instead of turning my volume down. Okay, so Ben Platt's Netflix special, I got into bed, I turned the lights off, like I wanted the full theater experience. Ben was still working, and Ben Soffer loves Ben Platt, and I wanted him to watch with me, but I just couldn't wait for him to get into bed, like I was just too excited. So I dimmed the lights, and I have to say, from the moment it started, it was really beautifully done, like the lights, the set, the Radio City Music Hall is such a beautiful place, and I feel like Netflix really did a good job at like respecting the institution, if that makes sense. Um, Ben Platt himself was just beyond, you know, your wildest expectations. Like, his talent is so real. And I wasn't surprised at how talented as a singer he was because, to be honest, I already knew that. But I was really surprised at his kind of stage presence. You know, he's such a small person, but he had such a big personality. And he was so funny between songs and also kind of earnest. And I love that he explained a lot of the songs. I was never really sure if the songs on his album were written by him or, like, songs that other songwriters wrote. And they just, like, put Ben Platt's name on it. Because I know that he's, like, a theater kid, but I don't know if he's a songwriter. And 
him explaining the songwriting process and just what the situations were behind the scenes that inspired a lot of the songs really made me excited. Um, I was watching the whole thing and I'm like, is he not going to sing in case you don't live forever, which is a song that is like so special to my heart and like all my sisters, like we all really connected over that song because it's how we feel about each other. And his parents were in the audience and the song is about his dad. And it was just so, so lovely. And I literally just started sobbing like uncontrollably. You just start thinking about all the people in your life who you love so much. And if anything ever were to happen to them, like, what would you do? I started thinking about my dad. Like it just, it really got to me and it was so beautiful and so emotional. And the, the craziest part was that my husband, Ben, um, went to the same Jewish camp as Ben Platt. They have two versions of the camp. One is on the West Coast. One is on the East Coast. Ben Soffer obviously went to East Coast. Ben Platt grew up in LA. He went to the West Coast camp. But the two camps would converge on this trip to Israel. Um, and that's where they all got to know each other, the both, the both coasts. And so that's where Ben Soffer met Ben Platt. And Ben Platt was talking about a trip to Israel where a kid accidentally um, outed him and was just like, oh, Ben Platt is so lucky that he gets to, um, that he's so lucky that he's gay because he gets to hang out with all the girls. And it wasn't meant in a derogatory way, but someone accidentally outed him. And I literally was screaming. I was like, Ben, get in here. Was this you? And he was like, no, they were in the eighth grade. And Ben didn't go to Israel with Ben Platt until they were 16. Um, and then also uh, he was talking about another situation at camp where one of his bunkmates was named Ben. And he stole his copy of Harry Potter. And I'm screaming. I'm like, Ben, was that you? And he said, no, they weren't in the same camp. They were never in the same bunk. They just took a trip together to Israel when they were 16. So unfortunately, Ben Soffer was not a part of Ben Platt's special, but that didn't make it any less fabulous. It was really great. I can't recommend it enough. I actually watched it twice back to back because I loved it so much. So that's that on that. Let me get Jackie's attention. We're good. She's taking pictures of herself. You're good to go. And would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. But I just feel like we need to capture the emotions of everyone, what we're going through. I need to um, turn my air conditioning on. I'm sweating from talking about Ben Platt, so just say something. Um, wait, you can't turn your AC on because of the noise. So that's what I'm going to say. We also need to recap Songland. I saw that you watched it, and I'm so excited. By the way, my air conditioning's on every day in the podcast, but my I don't know how to turn off my air conditioning. It's on a schedule to go to 85 degrees at like 11.15 every morning. I don't know how to get it off. So at some point in the toast, I always start sweating, um, but it doesn't affect the audio this, this way. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't hear it. Okay, Songland. Oh, Songland. Such a good episode. I love Florida Georgia Line. They're like my favorite guys. I feel like I don't really know them that well, and I've never really watched an interview where they talk and you get to hear firsthand their experience and I just love how much everyone really respected them in the room and how they really have changed the sound of country music a lot of like hardcore country music fans don't like that but I fucking love it um and I just love that they were given so much respect the song they ended up you know I wasn't like in love with really any of the songs that came out usually there's like a few that need work, but still have like that base. The, the second guessing, the one they ended up choosing was my favorite originally. And then it was my favorite afterwards, but I just didn't really feel like it was a strong competition amongst the songs. Um, yeah, because that one was like just on another level from the get go. And I'm so glad that they chose it because they really, aside from Holy, which I don't know, I haven't heard it in that many weddings. They don't like have such a pro, like big love song like that. And I love second guessing like I love that you assume that you're second guessing something but no you don't spend one second guessing I thought it was brilliant I liked there was another song that I liked that guy who not the one who's changed completely because like Ryan had absolutely no time for his original song like high on life or whatever um, I hope the other guy who whose song like I love the melody like it was so catchy but he just wasn't saying anything and ultimately he still didn't say anything but also whatever he said just wasn't more poignant than second guessing but I really liked that other song too I thought they were all great and I love I love ultimately the like Florida George Lines cut of second guessing I think it's so good and the show is just so amazing like it is the best reality TV competition show out there period there I said it I agree. Um, I did feel bad. I, like the formula of the show is not perfect because they only go from four songwriters to three and it's just like one person doesn't make it. And I felt bad for that girl. And I felt like her song was good, but she just had a terrible singing voice, which isn't her fault. She's a songwriter. She's not a singer. And I just feel like she couldn't sell it. And I think it actually might behoove them sometimes to have just professional singers learn and perform the song. Well, they do that ultimately when 
it's the second round of choosing. Like they bring in the right singer if they need to. Um, but for the first iteration, like it's really just about the song. But Zach and I always talk about like if I were an amazing songwriter, say, and I went on Songland, like I can't carry a tune. Like what would I do? Someone would have to even sing the first version. You wouldn't even know what I'm singing if I sang it. I think that you can't get on the show, even if you have an amazing song. I don't think they'll accept you if you can't like carry a tune in the slightest. I was actually thinking about that last night too, because that girl who didn't get through like really had a bad singing voice, like not to be a bitch. And no, and coming from her, it just sounded like a corny song, but maybe if Florida Georgia Line sang it, it wouldn't, but just like, it sounded like the song in the beginning, like of a Hallmark movie about July 4th. Country. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like her voice got in the way of what could have been like a, a sweet song. And I think maybe if someone else had sung it, like it might've had a chance. Cause I thought it was for sure more, there was more to work with there than some, the guy with the long hair and the beard. I thought there was his song was, it was good. It just was not Florida Georgia Line at all. Yeah. I totally agree. The guy with the long hair, like I can't, like he was shocked. He made it so far. Um, but he had a really good attitude about stuff. Even when Ryan Tedder took his song, threw it in the trash and started again. <laughs> I love Ryan Tedder. My favorite part of the show is seeing the friendship between Esther and Shane. I know. My favorite part of this episode was when the last songwriter left the room and they just started riffing on one of the songs and they came up with an amazing song, just the five of them. Like there needs to be a show of just like oh, a camera in the room, like just, Every artist gets to write with these three people. Like, they're so fucking talented. Ryan Tedder also looked like the third member of Florida Georgia Line. Like, he had such FGL vibes. I love Ryan Tedder. Like, even though he wasn't really present in this episode, he's still my favorite um, judge. Esther's my favorite judge. And I also just, I love Shane. But he wins every single time because it's always a country artist. And... He always gets to work with the first best song, like the one that is the closest to getting there. Yeah, there's definitely politics behind the scene of Songland that we don't know. Like even from how they choose the songwriters, how three out of four of them were from Canada. Like I I just thought that was like an interesting fact. Um, There's definitely more politics behind it. And I have a feeling that they already know who's going to win when they come through the door. I don't know if it's as organic of a process as they pretend it is, but that's TV. That's like when you watch HGTV and they go shopping on house hunters. They already have that. They already bought the house. Yeah, I agree. That doesn't bother me as long as like, you know, the songwriters, Esther, Ryan, and Shane are happy and the artists are happy and they're making great music. And I just absolutely love the format of the show. Who's on? Oh my God, I can't stop burping. Who's on next week? I don't know. I can't remember. Is someone... Interessant. Damn. Yeah, check the Instagram. Make it quick. I'll just keep talking about Songland, the most fabulous show on TV. So this was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Zach was like obsessed with it. He never wanted it to end. I also think the song Second Guessing would have been a great choice for Dan and Shay. It was just something yes, that I Yes, I agree. They don't have it on uh, the, the Instagram. Okay, well, I'm sure I'll see it later and it's just gonna bother me until then so tomorrow we'll recap real housewives of beverly hills along with the new episode yes. airing tonight real housewives of new york so if you're looking for that join us tomorrow if you're needing more content there's a brand new episode of the redheads along with a bunch of other tnn podcasts there's a new episode of margaret joseph's the Sinatular move um, with lauren elizabeth new episode of maternity live and now i am on this episode i thought i was gonna be on it last week but i got bumped and now i'm this week it's a really fun conversation steamy vibes if you're into that sort of thing so check it out. You could follow Toast News Network on Instagram to keep up with all of our new shows. And if you haven't ordered my comedy special yet, it is now available for pre-order. Click the link in my bio on Girl With No Job Instagram. It is available for pre-order on iTunes, and I would really, really appreciate the love and support. Maybe leave a nice review. Um, and that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much. Nope. Check out our interview with Lauren Gray. If you're watching on video, the interview yeah. is on YouTube right now. And if you're listening via podcast, she's coming right up after this. Oh, we didn't even get to talk. We spoke to her yesterday. She was literally the most mature person I've ever met in my life. I couldn't believe like how wise as fuck she was. She talked no, all about her experience um, getting invited to be a part of the Taylor Swift music video for the man. And she was just, she's literally a class act. She's going places. Like she's a star. She is it. She's everything of the sort. So uh, definitely check the interview out. We were just like starstruck by her. 
Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to The Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places wherever you listen to podcasts, find us, The Morning Toast, and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys very much, and we'll see you tomorrow for Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Bye. Good morning, millennials. We are so excited to be sitting down with someone who we've spoken about one million times on this show. We absolutely love her. And when her name came across our desk, we were shook to the core. TikTok queen, Lauren Gray. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. You are so cute. We are so excited. Like we have been following you for so long. You are 45 million strong on TikTok, something like that. It's crazy. You've been you've been in it for a while. I used to follow you on Musically, and things are just happening. There's so much going on. You just released a new song, Kate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's my first single that I've released in a while. Uh, I took a little break, and then because I really wanted to work on you know nailing down my sound and uh, putting out something that I was proud of. So. Uh, I finally <laughs> got to that point after like, I don't even know how long, eight or nine months. Um, but yeah, it's out now. So that's cool. What's it like to release a song during quarantine? Um, honestly, I feel like because I'm not your like traditional artist, it wasn't that different than what I typically do. Obviously, there's no going out and doing promo, but that's the only difference really. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't really toured yet, so that hasn't really made a difference because I've been waiting to get a bigger body of music before I do anything. So yeah, for me, it was just not that different. Yeah, Yeah. but your your music video was different because you recorded it at home and you had some of your favorite, some of my favorite TikTok stars in there. But I imagine that wasn't that different for you because you have a, a lot of YouTube experience. So was putting together that music video kind of just like filming a YouTube video? Yeah, so they sent me a shot list and I use I filmed it on my phone because my camera's actually not my phone has better quality than my camera. Really. You do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so I just like filmed it on my phone and it was it was it took four days. It was kinda it was kinda difficult because you have to do so many takes of the same thing in different locations and obviously I had to set up my own lighting and I was making tripods out of like cardboard boxes, but it worked and uh, it turned out you know, better than I could have hoped for. So I'm glad. It's really good. The song is so good. Thanks. We love your music. Your song, Anti-Everything, like is the anthem of our life. We had the Lost Kings on our show like probably a year ago now. And they were just so fun. We were talking about you and it was, it was a highlight. Yeah, I love that song. I always, when I listen to it now, I I feel like I sound so young because I recorded (laughs) it like two years ago, but I still love it. I was playing in the car the other day. There's so a lot of sim- oh. oh wait, just about that song. There's when I think about it, there's so many similarities between that song and the one from Taylor Swift's Lover album. I think it's Cornelia Street, the way it starts. Like, um, Claude, you were the one who said that. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you ever I, notice that? Someone pointed it out and it was like, oh, um, you copied Taylor Swift, and I was like, no, I think it's just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, also, you're so definitely didn't copy me. So. <laughs> Um, but speaking of, we got so many questions for you and probably like the number one thing I wanted to ask you was your experience, um, filming the music video for the man with Taylor Swift. You played a little cute little ball girl on a tennis court and we just need, I need every single detail from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to sleep. Like, what was that like? Yeah. So I got up, I, it was before I bought myself, like I, I recently bought myself a, a nicer car, but I had been driving like my, my 2014 Kia for a while and I was super insecure driving next. I was like, oh my God, I'm driving myself to this music video set that's like two hours away. And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know who's going to be here because I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, because a lot of the times with big artists, they don't really tell you what's, what's happening beforehand just to keep everything, you know, top secret, whatever. And then eventually they told me and I was waiting around in a lot of green rooms because <laughs> like, you know how it goes. And um, I was really nervous. And then I got to the set and Taylor came out, but I didn't know it was her because she had the full prosthetics on. And there was another guy who was like a stunt double who was also on set that looked exactly like her with prosthetics. So you couldn't really tell them apart unless you were like talking. So she started talking and she was like oh I just want to say like thank you so much like I know you're from Pennsylvania like we're from like the same area and all this stuff and 
because she is, she went to school at, literally down the street from my house. So then I realized it was her <laughs> when she started talking. Um, I talked to her for a while. She's really cool. And that was really, really refreshing because, you know, people say you're not, you're never supposed to meet your idols. And I was so, so nervous because she's like my number one female pop star. I watch her reputation tour on Netflix and I cry every time. Me too. Me too. I'm like vicariously, I'm one of those people that I get like proud of someone that I don't even know. Like I'm so <laughs> proud of her. I'm so and proud of her. Like, I, oh my God, I get choked up talking about it. But like, I just get so proud of other people, especially, you know, coming from nothing and making something of yourself is, you know, something really special. So um, I didn't really tell that to her though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, it's cool. Like, you know, yeah, we're from the same town, like whatever. But, um, yeah, then she ended up, we shot the scene and uh, it was really cool to watch her do her thing and the way that she was, she did direct that video. Like when she said she directed it, she was calling the shots and it was really inspiring to see someone you know take control like that and she was just being absolutely crazy and it was really interesting and fun to watch and then um then I left and then I drove home and that's so crazy I called everyone and by everyone I mean my parents because I wasn't allowed to tell anyone so <laughs> that's so that's honestly just such goals like congratulations I feel the same way about Taylor um but can we backtrack for a minute because you're huge on TikTok, but you've kind of were one of the early adapters on the platform. You gained popularity when it was still musically, but obviously things have changed so much in the last year. I would love to hear your take on what you think about the whole rebrand. Do you like the new different types of content? Do you miss musically? How do you, how has your content shifted? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like, you know, platforms are always evolving and there's always going to be something new. Obviously, the rebrand was a little bit difficult to get used to at first. Um, it was really out of nowhere. Like I didn't expect it to change completely as a platform. And I actually took like a six month break. Like I didn't even know what it was because it went through this transitional period where no one really knew what to post on it. Um, and it was before it kind of got cool and there was memes, but because musically and no hate to like what I was doing, but it wasn't cool. Like I got so much heat for even doing it because it was cringy and it was this and it was that. But then now it's like the coolest thing ever and everyone wants to be TikTok famous. So it was a little bit hard to get used to, but I feel like I've always been pretty good at adapting to things. And um, I have, obviously I still keep a little bit of what I was, you know, there's that string of, I've always been the same, just adapting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just so fascinating to watch your community grow and to watch your numbers grow. There's so many like politics now on TikTok and we got so many questions for you. Um, and I'm sure you get this all the time, but what are your kind of best practices when it comes to people who want to gain traction? What kind of content do you think does best? Of course, everyone has different communities, but what are some tips of the trade that you could give to our viewers? Yeah, I, I usually just kind of see what's trending, what sounds are trending and I'll do my own take on that or whatever trend is happening, um, mixed in with content, obviously, that I come up with myself sometimes. It just depends, but I think the biggest key to gaining traction is just consistency um, and understanding that the first video that you post might not be the one that goes viral, but eventually, you know, the more you post, eventually things will catch on and um, audiences will grow, for sure. And you've gotten so big on TikTok. And of course, there are many, many perks of that, like filming the Taylor Swift music video. But a lot of people might not recognize some of the challenges that come with that. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with negativity. We experience our fair share. Um, <laughs> how do you, you're so young, like, how do you deal with that? How do you not let it affect your mental health? I feel like I, I because I've been doing it for so long, I acquired a thick skin really early. I made my mistakes when I was 13, 14. And then after that, I kind of got in this routine where I kind of separated myself from the things that people have to say. Um, and I was just talking about this the other day. Like I have separated online from myself as a person, which I'm still myself online, but my self-worth is detached from that aspect. So I feel like it's really important not to, you know, attach ego and self-worth and all those kinds of things to the internet. And that's something that I learned over time, obviously. But 
yeah, it was hard at first, of course. And I was really young when I started everything. So it was really confusing. But the older I've gotten, the more that I'm able to disassociate those two things. And a lot of the times people just say things on the internet because they're insecure. And I know everyone says that, but I was talking to this other girl who's like a kind of a new influencer. And I was trying to tell her, you know, you have the upper hand. <laughs> they want yeah. what you have. And that's just, they just hate to see other people doing well. And that's something that I, I recognized uh, over time. But that's kind of what helps with that. <laughs> that's such a mature point of view. Like it takes so many people, so many years. And sometimes people never even get to that other side of being able to develop that thick skin or like just disassociate what's going on online from real life because they are so different and you can literally just turn your phone off and all that noise doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really great approach that you have. Um, and it's really inspiring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of people can look up to it in a lot of ways. And that's what I really like about TikTok is the people who we've started to idolize like you and, and you know, people with huge followings, Charlie, you guys are really just regular girls and you really relate to a lot of your audience in a very responsible way. So I commend you for being really an excellent role model for young people all over the world. Thanks. Yeah, I try. I mean, I feel like that's really the only way to the only way to do it, you know, <laughs> you can't really get too far being problematic and relying on drama and people paying attention to that to get ahead. Um, because you're not really, you're not, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not something that's sustainable and you're not really a building a real fan base. You're building people who watch when you know, like hype. bad happens. Yeah. Um, and I learned that also <laughs> really quickly, but I feel like the best thing to do because the internet is such a negative place sometimes is to be a positive outlet for people to turn to. And it's very few and far between because you, you don't find a lot of people on the internet who genuinely want to be good people. Everyone's just looking to get ahead and those people don't last. <laughs> wow. Very well said. Well, thank you for stopping by. Congratulations on your new single. Can you tell people where to follow you? Where can they listen to your music? Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. My Instagram is Lauren. My TikTok's Lauren Gray. My Twitter's I am Lauren Gray, I think. My Snapchat's Lauren. And then uh, my song Cake is on Spotify, Apple Music, Dixter. I've done all the liners, so I know all of them. They're on everything. It's, it's everywhere. It's easy to do it. It's so good. And the video's on YouTube, and it's so cute, and you did such a great job. Thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on your new song and all your success. And thank you guys for listening to The Morning Toast. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank Bye. you. Bye.